are now tuned in into another episode of the Women for the Culture, the podcast, where we talk with women who are doing the damn thing, changing the narrative, and changing the game. If you're not familiar with Women for the Culture, we are a meeting place for women of color to shop, explore, learn, and grow. Sit back, relax, grab a glass of wine, because it's time to get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Women for the Culture podcast. This is your host, Camille Davis, Montage PR. And today I have the pleasure to sit and chat with Tiffany Montgomery, a faith-based entrepreneur. Tiffany, thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is such a pleasure. You have an amazing story, particularly how you made millions during the pandemic. So I would not only want to get into that, um, but I want to talk about the progression up until then as well. I know that you were not only a teen mom and a college dropout. Um, I'm so glad that you're able to share your stories and your trials and tribulations um, in order to, you know, be um a refuge in ministry and an example to others um, about perseverance, you know, and, and I just, I really resonate with your story. So I'm, I'm really um, applauding you for that transparency of it all, um, but how you've used that and transitioned to becoming a best-selling author, an international speaker, and an entrepreneur. Can you kind of walk us through uh, what life was like to date? Yeah. So, um, I think it, it's, I, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time, even in high school. I graduated um, with my nail license when I was 16 years old. And so entrepreneurship has been something that's been in my blood for a very long time. But um, essentially in 2005, I started uh, my writing career. And so I started off my entrepreneurial journey as a self-published author. And in 2005, after I written my books, I sold them in the hood. I sold them in the nightclubs, um, a publisher came to me and asked if I was interested in writing fiction. And I was like, yeah, it can't be that hard. So I wrote my very first fiction novel, which was known at the time as street literature, hood lit. And um, that's what got me on the Essence Magazine bestsellers list. And I've been an Essence Magazine bestseller seven times, including the number one spot. Um, in 2009, I stopped writing at the height of my career. I was just simply bored because I had hit my goal seven times, which was to be an Essence Magazine bestselling author. And um, I learned about blogging in 2010. Um, and I learned that people were making a lot of money doing it. And so uh, at the time, I didn't know that blogging really was another word for content marketing which is what we see a lot of people doing today, whether that's content marketing and podcasting or YouTubing or written blogs, which was the original. But, you know, I saw people making a lot of money. So I started my blog in 2010 and I learned how to monetize it or actually make it profitable in 2011. So it took me a full year to figure out how to monetize it. Um, and I started creating online programs. So I was teaching what I was already good at. I always like to say I was in the wisdom, I am in the wisdom business, meaning I do something, I'm successful at it. And then I teach other people how I did it. Um, and so I made my first six figures uh, doing online training programs. And then um, I love that, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was already a millionaire a few years before the pandemic hit. But when the pandemic hit, I was already postured. Um, 
for the online world and the online, because 99% of my businesses were already online. The only offline business I had was a conference I have called the Millions Conference, and that is offline, but I was still able to pivot it to being an online conference last year because we couldn't gather. And so um, I just look at all of my programs and all of my uh, things today. One of my signature programs to date is called Kingdom Entrepreneur University, where we teach other entrepreneurs how to um, build six and seven figure businesses online. But again, it was very easy for me to do this because in 2010 is where I started my online entrepreneurial journey. And I didn't have to do anything different in 2020 when the pandemic hit. I was able to really just, I guess, go a lot faster than everybody else because everybody else was shuffling around trying to figure everything out. I have so much to ask you. You're like loaded with uh, information. You're just like so interesting to me. So let's even, first of all, empower these entrepreneurs. So take me back to being a college dropout, but being a serial entrepreneur, like how does that happen? And the reason why I say that is because I'm someone who has a college degree, right? In public relations. However, I can have all the schooling in the world, but that did not teach me how to have a PR business and how to run a public relations business, right? You can go to school and still not know how to be fully functional out in the world doing what you do, right? So can you teach me or tell us how you're able to be a serial entrepreneur without having the education and that that's not always the route for everyone. Well, I don't think anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur, um, I don't think college is ever the route for anybody that is an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, I think college is the route for doctors and lawyers. I would, I, before you do heart surgery on somebody I love, I would prefer you have a degree um, in that, a lawyer, an accountant, a book, like think, I think college is for certain people, but entrepreneurs, absolutely not. I think it's a waste of your money. I think it's a waste of your time. Um, I, I graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA, which is the D average, D is in dog. I, when I went to college, my transcript to date says 0.0. I only went to college uh, to get to North Carolina. And so that I'm from originally Rochester, New York. It was the only way my mother would help me move. She was very big on college and very big on education. So I didn't expect her to understand my big goals for entrepreneurship, but that didn't mm -hmm. still mean that I wasn't going to try to pursue them. And I needed her help in doing that because I needed to get away from Rochester, New York. It wasn't healthy. It was very toxic city to live in. When I lived there um, back then, it was uh, I was born and raised there. But when I lived there, it was New York State's murder capital. And so I was going to funerals every single week, watching people I knew get killed. I, it was very normal to me to go to a funeral every week. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until I moved to North Carolina that I realized funerals were not normal, especially going to them every single week. Um, I say all that to say the only reason I was even in college was because that was the only reason my mom would help me move. And uh, I was a very young mom and I just wanted to get out of the city. So I never had a goal to go to college. I was only in college because that was the way my mom was going to help me move to the city. But I didn't, I wasn't, I, college was never the goal. The only goal for me enrolling in college and getting $6,000 in student loan debt was for me to move to North Carolina. That was it. And so um, I was never under the impression that going to college was going to help with my entrepreneurial journey. I was never under the impression that college was going to help with self-publishing or learning how to publish a book because it didn't. 
Um, as a matter of fact, when my daughter went to school, kindergarten, I would go to the bookstore and I couldn't even afford to buy the books at the time, but I would sit there all day until she got off the bus and I would study everything about the literary agency, uh, literary uh, publishing industry. I would study editing, what the difference between copy editing was and developmental editing was. I would study how to read a contract. I would study um, how to promote my book, how to market my book. I studied these things, but not only did I study, I think that entrepreneurs do themselves a disservice thinking that they can learn entrepreneurship in theory when you actually have to put in the work, which is the reason why you learned PR when you put in the work and not PR while you were sitting in class. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that's what I have to say for entrepreneurs that are in college trying to figure this out. You're in the wrong place. And the longer you stay in college trying to figure out entrepreneurship, the longer you're going to let people who are getting real world experience do circles around you. So one, how did you know so early? You know, a lot of us don't find ourselves or even what we want to do until we're in our 20s, but you knew early on how. And second, um, with the Kingdom Entrepreneur University, like how is that even more beneficial than college? Yeah. So how I knew early on that I was an entrepreneur is because as a little girl, while everybody was outside playing, you know, hide and seek or everybody was outside laughing and playing catch, me and one of my neighbors had um, an imaginary dry cleaning business. Stop. And I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yes. So everybody outside was doing like their fourth grade thing. There you're playing hopscotch, jump rope, double dutch, mm. you jumping fences. Me and one of my neighbors, and we were the same age, we had an imaginary dry cleaning business. And he would write the tickets for the dry cleaning business. Um, I would take the orders for the dry cleaning business. We would take fake clothes. We would dry clean them fakely. We would give them to our customers, which were our friends playing hopscotch outside. We would make them come in and be our customers. And if, I, if that doesn't tell you that you're an entrepreneur early on, I don't know what does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I also in the fourth, fifth grade had a dog walking business. I, I needed money and I don't know what I needed money for, but I was just tired of being poor in the fourth grade. Okay. Wow. And I went and got a dog walking business. And then I realized I didn't know how to walk dogs because that takes a skill that I didn't have. And so I quit that. And then in Rochester, New York, you know, we're two hours away from Canada. And so there's a lot of snow. And so I put together a snow shoveling business. And this is like the fourth and fifth grade. And I got all of my friends together. And uh, the problem is I didn't negotiate our, I, I think I negotiated us a $5 contract to shovel this huge driveway and everybody quit on me. So that was my first <laughs> business. I had to tell my employer like, hey, we quit. I can't do oh, it. No, no my whole team quit on me. <laughs> They're like $5, you want to shovel this for 10 cents a piece? We think not. Right. And so, but this was me like early on. This is very, I had a, uh, I was, I picked up a, new, um, a newspaper route. You know, this is like, I was always trying to find a way to make money. I took my allowance, my dad, my mom would take me to Sam's Club and I would go and buy now laters and sell them in seventh grade until I got in trouble and they told me I couldn't sell it. And I was like, okay, well, I need to find another way to make money. Mm -hmm. um, so all throughout my history of school, I was always, I always had a side hustle on the side somewhere trying to find a way to make additional money. And so when I was, um, when I got my nail license, when, in the, when I was 16 years old, I was still in high school, I would skip class and do full, I was fully booked in high school. I would do full sets. I would do fills. I would do nail art. The same stuff you see today is what I was doing back then. 
And um, I wouldn't even go to class because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in school to make money and I'm making plenty of money. I mean, I was booked and busy. And so um, I think it was just nature to look at. I, w- I knew I was never going to college because I was never good at traditional education. Hence the reason I got a 1.7 GPA. It wasn't that I wasn't a genius. It wasn't that the way you were teaching me, I, I didn't want to learn it. I felt mm-hmm. like whatever you were teaching me was pointless. If you were still teaching that Christopher Columbus discovered America, this is stuff I don't need to learn. And I knew this in school. Like I was very, very aware of the lessons that we were learning were not what was true. Um, and so uh, and I also knew that if I wasn't going to college and I wasn't going to be a doctor, I, I, you were only going to pay me $10 an hour, $20 an hour. And I just could not imagine doing all this work, getting paid 20 bucks when I could, I was making more money doing full sets and fills in high school. I was at least charging $30 for that, you know, mm-hmm. and it just didn't add up to me sitting somewhere for eight hours a day in a cubicle, can't talk to nobody. Um, it just didn't fit with my personality type. So that's how I knew early on. And when I say early on, I mean very early on that I was never working a real job. It just was never yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I and like I think that. what makes Kingdom Entrepreneur different from education is because we're teaching what well, I'm teaching you. I think that there's a million ways to become an entrepreneur. Right. And um, but I'm teaching you how I did it. And so I'm not teaching you theory. I'm not teaching you things that are wasting your time. I've, I've built several million dollar businesses and brands and I've never created a business plan. Like, I don't even know how to read a business plan. Um, everything I do, I do it. I, I believe in easy, you know, people say, well, you got to work hard. I don't believe in that. Um, and my life is a testimony of my belief in not that, you know? And so I teach you how I personally marketed, how I personally branded all of my businesses. I teach you how I personally built my websites. And when you go to my websites, you're like, oh, I see the strategy behind it. So a customer might come and just see a website. But then when I break down my websites, you're like, oh, this is genius. You know, I break down, I break down everything in a way you wouldn't have thought about it. So people that sign up for Kingdom Entrepreneur University um, may be somebody that didn't have a business, but I also have people that have signed up who have become millionaires before I became a millionaire. And I think that's so powerful because they see something that I did that they want to learn from. And so that's what makes it different. I'm teaching you entrepreneurship, but more specifically, I'm teaching you how I personally got to the millions. And I did it a lot different than a lot of other people. I love that. I love everything that you're talking about. So let's go back to being an entrepreneur early on. I have so many comments for that. Question first, have you heard about the young girl? It was a first grader and she was going to school and doing girls edges for a dollar. No, this is crazy. I said, that girl is going to go far. She sure is. That is brilliant right at first grade for a dollar just a dollar just come and get your wow what a way to be innovative what a way to keep relevant and and ahead of the times like if these edges are in I'm gonna lay these baby hairs everybody's commenting me about mine why not capitalize on it that she can see that in the first grade oh right so me as a parent I have a son who's three years old he'll be four in March I'm always looking for the things that I can pour into him, right? Because I understand Mm -hmm. just like you, that there is no traditional road. For instance, I graduated 
um, at Penn State. And people are like, hey, why aren't you just going to um, real estate? Why would I go into real estate after I wasted four years in school? I could have been making money. You know, I could have yeah. just went to real estate school instead of college. And after two years, sell these houses. You know, I yeah. don't think that people understand that college isn't everything. I mean, yes, we want to encourage our kids to go to college. We want them to have higher education, particularly kids of color, because we want them to have all of those opportunities that they deserve, right? But let's be real. And I'm glad that with you, we're able to have this real conversation. So what would you suggest um, having in place? Or is there one thing that every entrepreneur should have when going into business? Um... No, I, I think everybody's um, journey to entrepreneurship is different. And so I think we do people a disservice to try to make this one thing fit how everybody does business. Um, and so I don't, I don't have one thing that everybody should look into doing um, because I just didn't do it that way. And I would say all of my friends are entrepreneurs and all of us got success in different ways. So I don't think that there's one way. You know, there's a quote that I live by it says, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to grow up its whole life thinking that it's stupid. And so if I gave that one thing that I thought was good for everybody, I think that that would be me trying to get people who are not good at that one thing to do it. So no, I don't think it's one thing. I have never created a business plan, so I can't give advice to people on what a good business plan is because that would make me a hypocrite. Um. Let's talk about your faith. Mm -hmm. I love that God is all throughout everything that you do. And it's obvious. When did that start with you? When did faith become so important? And did you know that you could literally minister to people through your work and that you could impact people through your work? Yeah. So I, um, I got saved in my shower, August, 2015. I had a very strong encounter with God. Um, that's very powerful. And he just yoked me up and was like, you work for me now. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I, when I got into entrepreneurship in 2010, there were a lot of people in the new age world and the occult that were in that movement, uh, meaning they were making millions of dollars in a month. They were, uh, they just always seemed to have very successful launches. They were always super successful in everything they did. And I noticed how they were evangelizing the universe. They were always giving credit to the universe. They were always shouting out the universe. They were always giving homage to the universe. If you saw them in Forbes, they were always saying the universe, the universe crystals, you know, they were always giving what their means to their success was. And so, um, and I saw a lot of well-meaning Christians go into that way as well. And so when I got saved in 2015, um, I was still very much an entrepreneur. I, I, I'm very unchurched. And so I was like, well, God, how do you want to use me if I'm not in the church? And he was like, I'm going to use you um, to influence the entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's because, I mean, God knew what I saw, which was this large influx of revival happening in a demonic way. So a lot of Christians were going to um, these entrepreneurs that were following the universe and worshiping the universe because they saw that they were getting all of the money and they were willing to leave their God to go and follow somebody else's because of money. 
And so, um, you know, a lot of it was Kingdom Entrepreneurship, Kingdom Entrepreneur University, which I call KEU for short, because obviously it's a very long name, um, was there to teach people um, the dangers of it and to just really train and equip another generation of entrepreneurs to not compromise for money and not to follow other gods and other teachings for money. You know, a lot of people think that you can learn from, first of all, a lot of people don't even have the discernment to know that the person they're learning from um, gets their power and their success from the dark arts. People normally don't have discernment because we have a lot of Christians and a lot of believers who don't have, aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the only spirit that leads us into all truth, which means that if you don't have Holy Spirit, it's very easy for you to be led and susceptible into a spirit of error. What that means is you now have a generation of people who are very uh, excited about entrepreneurship, call themselves a Christian, but then they're learning from people who um, play around with sage and play around with crystals and play around with the universe. And then um, they say things like, well, I can eat the meat and spit out the bones. But then when you look at Psalms 1, which is a super short chapter, and it says, blessed is the man or woman in our case that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly meaning you are not supposed to even take counsel for these people because at the end of that chapter lets us know everything our hands touch will prosper. And a lot of us love to quote, you know, everything my hands touch will prosper without understanding that that comes with a prerequisite that you don't take counsel from the ungodly. Um, And so Kingdom Entrepreneur University is just here to teach people uh, against those ways and teach and train people that you can get a really large amount of success and influence following God and following God's ways um, and doing it God's way. So, okay, what I'm hearing from you, and this is just me personally, you know, I'm I'm not speaking for any of the listeners because I even struggle with this, um, the faith question. If you have you're supposed to have unwavering faith right so Mm -hmm. if you believe in God there's no question right you trust him you don't question that's what faith in fact is right so I question God if I have a question I ask him because he's my father and when my son or my daughter has a question they ask me they're gonna do what I say but they're gonna ask so there's certain situations I'm not gonna ask God about because so for instance if there was a time before I had to go to this very, very important business meeting. And it's one of those meetings that you prayed and asked God for. It's on your, it's on your vision board, that kind of meeting. It's like, finally, my prayers are being answered. And I remember when it was time for me to get on the plane, I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't get on the plane. Now, of course, with your theory, I wouldn't have asked God a question. I would have been like, cool, God said, don't get on a plane. I'm not getting on a plane. But the truth is, this is something I prayed about. This is something that I felt like God opened up this door and answered my prayer about. So I, I'm not going to get on the plane, but I do have a few questions. God, why can't I get on the plane? I prayed about this. This is on my vision board. You know what? This might be the devil telling me not to get on this plane. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I'm getting on the plane. This is a blessing. And you're trying to stop my blessing. But then I have no peace in my spirit about getting on the plane. So I'm like, God, is this you? Should I not get on the plane? I mean, I won't. And then I come to my senses and I say, you know what? I'm not getting on the plane. Because one thing I do know is God's voice. And I do know that it was God that told me not to get on the plane. And now I'm trying to assume why. So that didn't mean that in my faith, knowing that that was God, I wasn't going to get on the plane. It means that I'm not getting on the plane, but I still have a few questions. And in my questions, I answer my own questions, which is God is warning me not to get on this plane. And while I don't know the why, I'm going to listen to the what. 
And do you know a day later after I did not get on the plane, Hurricane Sandy hit New York City and nobody was prepared for it. And so, yeah, I, I'm going to listen to God. And sometimes I don't have a question because I have, um, I have, I have history. I understand what God means when he says, don't do it. So sometimes I'm like, I don't even have to know why I'm not doing it. But there are certain times because he's my father, I'm going to ask. And he might not answer me. And I'm just still not going to do it if he tells me not to do it or do it if he tells me to do it. But I do sometimes have questions. So is that a, is as a Christian, is that the same uh, model that we should apply to like the sage, to like the crystals, for instance? Like if we trust in God, then we shouldn't need those alternatives. Is that what you're saying? That's yeah, kind but of those alternatives. Reason. Yeah, those alternatives aren't God. So not only should you not need them if you call yourself a believer, if you've given your life over to Christ, um, but it's also us knowing that those are um, demonic resources. You know, the Bible talks about something that are lying signs and wonders. And that's what that is. Everything, somebody that calls themselves a believer um, that has given their life over to Jesus Christ should understand is that there's an origin to everything. When you think of the origin to sage, it was originally created um, by Indian spiritualists to conjure up the dead for them to talk to them. That is the origin of sage. We can't now take it in the Western world and repurpose it because we want to, because we think it's cute and because it's popular. It is very much the, uh, the goal of the devil to trick and deceive this generation of people to think that just be, because we're a very following generation, we follow everything. Anytime we see a social media influencer do something, we, we're like, okay, this is a new cool thing to do. And because we're a very biblically illiterate generation and we call ourselves believers of Jesus Christ, we just start following whoever's doing something that's cute at the time. So then we take this sage, right? Which is the devil loves that you're doing it by the way. And you open up the door for these ancient demons that you don't have the power to stop to come into your life and not just your life, your children's life, your children's children's life. So that when things start happening to the next generation of your family and they can't figure out the devil is attacking them on this level, you're, they're gonna be able to pinpoint and say, my grandmother, which is you, opened up the door for these ancient demons that come in. And now your grandchildren have to be the bloodline breaker for something you ignorantly let in. I'll give another example. Maybe this will make more sense. Many of us know about the Ouija board. That's our people's ability to speak to the dead. Well, Christians can't now take Ouija board 20 years from now and say, you know, it's God, it's good. We're repurposing it. We're gonna use it in a different way. I know it was used for the devil, but that's not how I'm using it. You can't take the Ouija board and repurpose it because you wanna use it now. You can't take tarot cards and repurpose it because you want to use it now. There are some things that are off limits to Christians and sage is one of them. Tarot cards is another one of them. The Ouija board is one of them. Yoga is one of them. Do you know that even Hindu people who, ori who originally created yoga hate that people in the Western world are using yoga for exercise because the origin of yoga was a spiritual practice. It was never used for exercise. Every pose that you get down and do for yoga is a worship to a different Hindu God. And they hate that you have taken their spiritual practice and have used it as exercise. They hate it. And yet 
you know, we as a Western world have taken it, perverted it. We tack the word holy onto it. You can't use holy Ouija board or holy tarot cards or holy yoga because you use it, the word for it. It's against God's principles and it's against God's law. All of us, you know, have the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't wave sage around to get these demonic spirits out of our homes. We have the Holy Spirit to do that. And so it's just people perverting the works of the Holy Ghost and now using another spirit to do that work with. So interesting. I'm always, I'm open to different perspectives because obviously we have a, you know, a wide audience at Women for the Culture, but I also grew up in the church. So um, I definitely wanted them to hear, you know, your thought process behind that. You know, growing up in the church is not the same thing as knowing God. Because unfortunately, a lot of people have grown up in church and have no biblical backing, have no, you know, one thing you said was, I'm interested in knowing your perspective, but as, as, a, as a follower of Jesus Christ who reads the word of God, there is no such thing as a perspective if we believe that there's only one way to God, which is through his son, Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't my perspective, it's God's, it's God's law right? That we don't take these foreign things and start worshiping them, or we don't start worshiping the create the creation and not the creator. Um, and so, you know, I just want to put that out there too. We have to be very careful of opening up to different perspectives when we know that the Bible is our first and final authority. And growing up in the church is not the same thing as having relationship. As a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why so many people have veered off to playing with sage and crystals and tarot cards because you grew up in the church and you did not understand what the Bible was because we did not have proper teachers to teach us the right way because they also did not read the word of God. They also put us in a lot of condemnation and a lot of judgment. And so uh, we didn't really have a relationship, a kingdom relationship with God. We had a very religious relationship with God. And that is why we see a lot of people in our generation um, finding different ways to reach spirituality, um, whether it's new age, the occult, spiritualist, herbalist, things of that nature. We've walked away from God because we grew up in the church. Where do you see the church going? Um, since we're, we're talking about, you know, recently this, the popularity of the universe, et cetera. And what can women for the culture do to get us back church-based? And yeah, Bible-based? so- yeah. So again, I, I mentioned how I got saved in my shower in 2015. I had a very radical experience. Um, and, and since that moment, I mean, I hit the ground running in ministry and it was something that like God taught me himself through um, the Holy Spirit. And so um, when I look at where church is going, uh, let's talk about where church was, right? Church has been stuck unfortunately, for a very long time. And I'm very careful about talking about the church because we have to still understand that the church is still the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ is coming back for his church without you know, spot or wrinkle or blame. And so mm-hmm. um, I am a big advocate of God's church. But let's break down what the word church means. Um, the word church is broken down to a word called ecclesia. And the word ecclesia means God, the, uh, the called out ones. And so because, again, we don't study, the Bible says that, you know, what does it say? I forgot. Uh, uh, People are destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. We have thought that a church meant a building. And we hear people say that all the time. And of course, sometimes we need a building to gather, whether whether that's the building of your home 
or a building, a commercial building or wherever, we need a building to get together unless you want to be outside in the elements. But ecclesia, or in other words, the church literally means God's called out ones. And so I believe that we're going back to the foundation of the book of Acts. I want all the women of the culture, even if you're like, Tiff, I love this. I, I, I veered away from God. You're absolutely right. I'm going to repent for opening up the door for these foreign objects and the worship of other gods. Where do I start in the Bible? Start in the book of Acts. Um, I believe that that not, I don't just, I don't believe I hate to use that. I know that that is where the church is going. It's going back to the um, fundamental foundation of the book of Acts. You want to see real power. You want to see how Holy Ghost moved through a generation of people. You want to see how these people moved from house to house or city to city and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. You're going to find that in the book of Acts. And we're going to see a revival. Um, God um, uh, had me start a ministry called Covered by God. Um, and again, it's coveredbygod.co if you want to go to the website, not .com, but .co. And the reason why it's called Covered by God is because, you know, unfortunately, we still deal with a lot of sexism in the body of Christ. And so here I was, a young woman who got saved all of a sudden in her shower, and now I'm doing ministry right away. And you had a lot of religious leaders who felt like I needed to wait my turn or I was a woman and I couldn't do this. And who's your covering? And so God told me to call it covered by God, which that's what it's called. Because at the end of the day, yes, we, um, you know, your husbands cover you and, you know, you can have pastors who cover you, but never to take the place of God covering you. Um, and if you don't have a pastor right now, you don't have a husband right now, you are still covered by God. Um, and so we are prophetic and teaching ministry. And our whole goal is to build bolder believers. And again, you can find out more about us over at coveredbygod.co. Um, and so that's what I believe that uh, the church is going. I believe that God is building a, a, a generation of bolder believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are not ignorant of the word of God, who will not even who will not even challenge what somebody is saying without having read the Bible themselves to see if what they're saying comes from the word of God. And I believe that he's going to take people like us and make us witnesses in the world and make our lives a witness. You know, do you understand by the grace of God, how many of the thousands of people have given their lives back to Christ because of my testimony? And again, I didn't come from the church. I'm very unchurched. But God had used my testimony as a living witness to what he's been, what he's doing in this world. And so um, that's what I believe the, the, the world is going back to, is going back to the book of Acts. And you will even find in the book of Acts, I believe it's um, chapter 19, verse 19, where all of the people took their um, dark art, whether that was their new age books or their occult books or their crystals, and they all burned them in a fire once they realized that what they had was not of God. And so I believe that we're going to see a lot of people taking their sage and taking their crystals and taking their new age books and taking their talks about the universe and all of these things and burning them in the fire and renouncing them and giving their life back to Jesus Christ and giving their life back to God. And, and you hold and understanding that you really hold the power and the authority without those things, because those things were used for uh, the origin or for different things. Mm -hmm. I love the impactfulness of it all. Um, I'm personally, you know, on a mission towards building legacy, you know, um, acting within this great responsibility that I feel that God has bestowed upon me um, and being impactful 
to society, you know, sparking change. Um, I love your ministry. I love that the work that you're doing. I want to know how or what tips you can give the women for the culture on how they can have lives of impact as well. You know, whether maybe it's not, you know, being a prophet, how, how can they um, activate others? I see that you're doing much more. I mean, while you're doing the work of God, you're also, for instance, one thing we talk about is providing opportunities to, you know, those who have been incarcerated, you know, um, that's something that I see you're doing through your entrepreneurship program. You're, you're giving people opportunity. So can you give us some examples on how we as women for the culture can do the same, make an impact in our direct communities? Yeah, I think one of the, um, the best things everybody can do as women of impact is to know your identity. It's very hard to make a difference in your community when you don't know who you are. And I find that a lot of women come into this space with very frail identities um, and then you end up having an identity crisis. You want to know why? Because you're always comparing yourself and competing with other people. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And so the second you find that you have been on social media for four or five, six hours today, and you have not been in the word of God to find out who you are, the very manual that it teach you who you are, you're already in a bad position to impact anybody because you don't even, you haven't proven your own success to see if you can impact you. Um, and so before I got to impacting anybody, I made sure that I could impact myself. We often, uh, you know, learn about integrity with other people, but do you have personal integrity? When you say that you're going to read the word of God or you're going to do something, are you, do, you go, do you keep your own word to yourself or do, are you constantly breaking your word to yourself? Well, then how do you make an impact to your generation when you can't make an impact in your own personal life? And so I think that that is one of the biggest things and mistakes that we've seen and impact in this whole um, culture of influencer is that we're so bent on influencing the world when we can't even influence the people in our own four walls. And so I would say to everybody listening to understand, ask God, what is your identity? The very reason why, you know, you asked me, Tiffany, why are you so self-aware? You were so self-aware at a very early age. I knew my identity at a very early age. And so it was very easy for me to do what I was called to do, even when everybody told me I was doing the wrong thing, which I see now was a mistake. They told me the wrong thing. But that's because when you know who you are and you get who you are from God, it, you, you won't be budged. You won't be moved by anything. Um, people used to tell me all the time, Tiffany, if you talk about God too much on your platform, you're going to lose followers. But here's the thing about that, right? Everybody's talking about the universe and talking about sage. So you mean to tell me if I talk about the truth, I'm, not only are you telling me I'm going to lose followers, but you're also telling me that I should care more about losing followers than to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if I deny God? for fear of losing a follower on social media. And I also understood that because I knew my identity, I can't lose nothing y'all didn't give me. I can't lose a platform you didn't put me on, right? I can't lose an audience that God gave me. And so if you wanna give true impact and true influence in this generation today, I'm telling you the best thing you can do for your life and the, for the life of your children and the life of your spouse is to learn who you are. And the only way you can do that is to go before God in, in your private time. You can do it today in the car, in your shower, in your bed, it doesn't matter. And just say, God, I have been operating 
from a false sense of identity for a very long time now. I even believe I have a little bit of identity theft. And I ask you, Father, that you would bring me back into alignment of who you called me to be, because you can, you can change this generation a lot faster and a lot stronger if you know who you are. The only person I can tell you that is God. And so ask him to give, bring you back into your true identity and invite Holy Spirit into your life, which is the only spirit of truth that we have. Sage is not a spirit of truth. None of that is a spirit of truth. You ask Holy Spirit who you are, he'll begin to tell you. And from that, you will begin to make impact. Now, the reason I didn't answer your question and just say, this is how to do impact is because how God has called me to impact the world is different from how he called you to impact the world. But the, the only thing that is um, one for all of us is identity. So if he tells me, Tiffany, as a prophet of God, how to impact the world, but you are more evangelical, then even as a doctor, he's going to share with you how to evangelize your patients in that world, which would be different from me as a doctor being a prophet. So I can't tell a group of people how to impact the world because the answer is going to be different depending on who God told you you were. You see? I know you have to cut out soon. Can we, can you tell us how much fulfilling it is to be of service than to be, I guess, led or driven um, by money? Yeah. Service of others, service to others. So one thing in the book of Ecclesiastics, um, Solomon says that money answereth all things, right? So, um, and then it also says that the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. But he does says that it, this is the richest and wisest man that ever lived says that money answereth all things. And so uh, money is important. Money is important. Um, and as entrepreneurs or influencers, you want some money. Um, because we look at people who have, have a lot of influence in the world who do not necessarily influence the culture in the right direction and in the right way. So imagine you who now God has given identity to you are now, um, you know, strengthening yourself in your inner man. You are now, you know, close to God. And now you have all of this money. It will behoove you. It would behoove God to give you the money because he knows you're going to be a good steward over it. He knows that you're going to influence people in the right way. And he also knows, unfortunately, people uh, get hyped when they know that somebody has a lot of money. And so it also helps with the influence. Um, one thing I don't do is work for money. And so God, by the grace of God, he's given me uh, very successful businesses. But like I said, even in the, at the height of my career, I'll quit something because I, I get bored at doing it. So um, money is not my goal. Um, just I'm really, I'm, I get really excited about building new things and watching things grow and nurturing them. Um, so I think my, my high comes from building. It doesn't necessarily come from making money. However, I'm also not going to continue on in a business that's not profitable because I am an entrepreneur and I'm not doing anything for free. Um, And so if that makes sense. But yeah, I think it's very important for influencers and entrepreneurs to be making money. Um, That is how you gain influence in a world that gets high off of watching people make a lot of money. And it's important that, um, you know, the Bible says that a good man or woman in our case leaves an inheritance for our children's children. And we can't do that poor. 
So we need to, you know, ask God to make us good stewards over that very thing that we've been praying over so that when the money comes in our hands, we know exactly what to do with it. How do we invest it? How do you want us to build God? How do you want us to give this money away? What do you want us to do? You tell our followers and our listeners where not only they can follow you for more information on all of the amazing um, businesses, series that you have going on under your belt, but also where they can register for your Millions Conference. Yes. So you can find out more about me at my digital home at tiffanymontgomery.com. And that's T-I-P-H-A-N-I. Um, like you just said, I have an amazing conference called Millions Conference, and we'll be releasing tickets for that, um, just in a few weeks. So you can find out more about that over at millionsconference.com. And again, if you would like to uh, join us for our corporate three-day fast, if you would like to get closer to God and really hear the voice of God, um, go and sign up over at coveredbygod.co. I love that. And uh, Kingdom Entrepreneur University, where can they find that information? I think that it's really interesting, you guys, if you guys are not on digital products, and I'm talking to the audience here, I think that it's so amazing and fascinating that you were on digital products before it even became popular. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's like a term of 2021. Everyone's like, what's your digital product? You know, now that we've gone through a pandemic, we know that we need to have something that we can sell that's going to sustain us, you know, whether uh, you know, something happens again. So I think that that's just really interesting. So obviously you're the one to get with, how can we be a part of that and learn how to make digital products for ourselves? Yeah, I would love to have you. It is, um, you go to kingdomentrepreneuruniversity.com. Again, that's kingdomentrepreneuruniversity.com. And um, class starts in March. Thank you for all you're doing. And again, the fact that you are being of service to others, like I'm in love with that. Um, so I'm definitely gonna follow your brand and I look forward to connecting with you further. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Are you a woman for the culture? Join our tribe by following Women for the Culture on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's it. You can, of course, go to womenfortheculture.com, but just know that you are a part of a safe space and a sisterhood. Feel free to shop all of our merchandise and make being a woman for the culture a lifestyle. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women for the Culture podcast. Be sure to visit our website at womenfortheculture.com, follow us on social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive interviews and content.